Welcome to a God Shift podcast, where we move you from disruption and delay into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and other leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty, and unlock the door to confidence move into your next chapter. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and I am absolutely thrilled that you are listening to this episode. Before we get started, though, I want to ask you for a favor. So if wherever you are listening to this podcast, I want you to take a screenshot. And with that screenshot, I want you to post it on your social media, tag us here at a God shift. And then I just want to hear your biggest aha moment or your biggest takeaway from this episode. Why do I do that? I'm not so much concerned about the number of downloads. If you've been listening for a while, you know, I say this all the time. I really don't care about downloads for downloads sake. I'm not really measuring those numbers. But what I am interested in is making sure that when people are going through things, that they realize that there's hope on the other side of that. It is my mission to grow the kingdom and bring people closer to God. And the more times that these episodes are shared, the more likely those things are to happen. So thank you in advance for sharing. I appreciate it. I am going to read my guest's bio, and then we are going to get started for what I'm sure is going to be another conversation. I've only had one dud. In 103 episodes, I've only had one dud. So I'm not expecting this one to be one either. (laughs) All right. So my guest today is the author of Love is God, but his childhood experience was the opposite of love. From an austere beginning and the distaste that it formed inside of him, he searched for and eventually created a method that transformed his life from anger to loving everyone. I can't wait to hear about that. So in this book that he wrote called Love is God, you will find what helped him move from a childhood boot camp of abuse to being a person who loves everyone and can find good about anyone in any circumstance. I'm excited to welcome to the show, Paul Zoltman. Thank you, Shana. So nice to be with you this morning. Thank you. Yes. So I'm excited to hear about how you did that, because I have heard that of all of the things, just for lack of a better word, to overcome is anger. Like once anger gets in a person, like I I have friends that say, I don't know what's wrong with my son. He's just angry. And it just transcends into bad behavior at school, bad attitude on the job, can't keep relationships. Like anger is a tough one to be able to overcome. So I can't wait to hear exactly how you did that, Paul. But I want to hear a little bit more about, tell us about what you do. Um, Right now, I call myself a love language linguist. Okay. And um, so I've taken the principles of love language and and developed a new application that's very effective and simple for training anyone, uh, even small children, how to learn to love a lot better. Um, I like to call myself more of a Johnny Appleseed of love, but instead wow. of spreading uh, seeds of, of for apples, I spread seeds of kindness and love wherever I go. But it's not always been like that, just as you mentioned. Yeah. And what better time, you know, I hope these podcasts live on 
way beyond us. But at the time of this recording, it is May of 2023. And our world over the last few years has seen so much evil and so much anger and so much disappointment and upset and uncertainty in all areas. What better time for us to learn more about how to love better. But before we go there, I want to give a little bit of context um, for this conversation because people hear me talk about a God shift and they think that that sounds pretty cool, but nobody really knows what the heck that means. So I just want to define it. So my definition of a God shift, Paul, is the moment a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose, but then it moves you into greater dimensions of possibility. And I believe that God uses disruption. Sometimes it's in easier to swallow forms than other, but I believe that he uses trials and unexpected circumstances. Sometimes they can even be positive ones to get our attention and he needs to get our attention so that he can invite us into the life that he really has planned for us. So I would love to hear a little bit more about how did you overcome this level of disruption, this rough beginning of abuse that had you steeped with anger? How did you overcome that to get to where you are today? There's a couple of God shifts that I, that I do want to talk about um, as you define them. But I think that we really, everyone has God shifts almost every single day of our life. Yeah. Very frequently. <laughs> if you think, if you think repeat. <laughs> absolutely. So if you think of an airplane, if they're just one degree off, they're not going to reach their destination. Mm. So even just a small shift in in our temperament, a small shift in in our direction is going to be a God shift. We, yeah. might, we might not recognize it on that day, but every day we've, I, I'm certain that everyone has God shifts every single day. Yeah. Or reminders that we need to make a God shift every single day. Exactly. You know, because oftentimes we're pursuing the wrong path, right? Like sometimes we need to shift in our actual physical geographical location. Sometimes we're in a job and we need to be in a different job. Sometimes it's in our relationships, our mindset. I believe that anything that we're putting energy into, whether it's small or large, that is not on the path that God has planned for us, he is going to do things to get our attention, to cause us to pause. But hopefully we will respond appropriately so that we can actually get on the path that he has planned for us and not continue to go down the wrong direction. Absolutely. I think that a change of circumstances or a move, uh, just you move into a new house. It's all brand new. It's a fresh start. And that's a perfect time to to make a God shift. And yeah, I have a few few uh, things that in my life uh, uh, that come to mind about God shift. You know, I, was, I, I mentioned and you'd mentioned in the, uh, in the bio that um, I had been abused as a child. Yeah abused physically by my father, abused sexually by a brother. And I mean, it was uh, a sad childhood. Um, and I kept blaming those people for for problems in my life. Anything that came up that was a problem, I'd revert back to blaming them because, because I felt like I could. I felt yeah. I had permission to blame them because of what happened at that time. Uh, but I came to be age 35. And my father had passed away seven years earlier. And I found myself, I realized that I was still blaming him, even though he's dead. I was still blaming him. Yeah. For things that happened in my life then and at that time. And when I realized that, 
I thought, when am I going to take responsibility for my own life? Yeah. When when am I going to be 100% responsible for what happens to me right now? And then uh, that was a that was a god shift for me. It yeah. it, it moved me from blame and a, what I like to call a false uh a, maybe a false atonement. If if I could blame someone for my problems, I didn't I re, I really didn't need Jesus. Mm-hmm. to take care That's of That's so good. Yeah. If I can blame someone, then it's their fault. But if I take responsibility myself, then I have opportunity to do to walk with Jesus to to find out what that what that redemption is all about. And yeah, I, not only that, Paul, like if you don't do that, you definitely can't guarantee that there's going to be any level of change because you know what they say, like you can't, um, I don't remember exactly what the saying is, but it's basically like you can't control what other people do, but you can control how you respond to it. There's another saying that comes to mind that like not forgiving other people is like you taking poison and hoping that the other person dies. So yeah, it's probably a natural knee jerk reaction to blame someone when they've done something for you. But I love what you said about it's important that we take responsibility. Like you didn't do anything to deserve physical and sexual abuse, you know, but you still had to say, it's my responsibility to not allow this to continue to negatively affect the rest of my life. Because if I'm expecting them to do something that is going to make my life better, then I can hang it up. You'll just stay stuck in in anger, right? Yeah. And so I thought that had it totally under control, Shana. And and then I had another experience that said, hmm, maybe not. Uh, I I was dating someone about a uh, probably about 15 years ago, and it was time to take this person up for Big Brother approval. Um, mm-hmm. That was 300 miles north of where I live, and uh, so the Big Brother approval uh, went like this: uh, we walk in the house, my sister-in-law immediately takes her to the side within earshot, and says. The only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first, I totally denied it. Then it made me mad. Yeah. I thought, huh. There's that anger that I didn't think I had. There it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And so at that realization, at that God shift, so to speak, at that realization, I came, I, I thought, I have an opportunity right now to change that perception. Not only for my sister-in-law, but for others, anyone else that would ever meet me. Why would I continue to hold on to that anger, any anger at all? And so I started studying the color code and and the five love languages by Dr. Chapman. Finally settled on those principles of the five love languages. And I I really liked them, but I didn't like that. I couldn't get the application. So the application that Dr. Chapman has is that well, if I guess, Shana, what your love language is, and if I cater to that, we're going to be buddies. I'm a bad sure. guesser, and I don't. I, I didn't feel like that was love. Catering to someone didn't feel like love. I mean, it's okay if you tell me what you like, but I'm yeah. going to notice. I found out that I, I'll notice what you like better than you telling me what you like. You're going to light up. If I do something that you like, you're going to light up. And that's how I would notice or observe that what love language you really like. 
So I like that because it's, you know, it's like the cause and effect that we're taught as young children. The toys that we have when we're six to nine months really teaches us cause and effect. We press the button, it lights up and sings. We press the button again, it lights up and sings. We learn cause and effect at such a young age. But I can't tell you how many times in my personal and professional life, it seems like people leave it at nine months old. They forget, you know, if you do this, that is going to happen. You know, if there's not any consequences, there's no, not going to be any change behavior. If there's not any, um, like you said, if I'm not trying to figure out being able to read your response, then I can't repeat the behavior or not or not repeat the behavior if it's not desired. Right. I, I took, took it even one little step further. I thought if these five love languages are, uh, if if it's something that God wants me to do, then it should reconcile to what Jesus did. Yes. So as I thought about that, I thought, well, Jesus, Jesus, we've got His words. That's part of a love. That's a love language. We've got His words. Did He have the gifts? He had the gifts of the Spirit, and He used those gifts abundantly, giving them away abundantly. Did he serve others? Yes, he absolutely served one another. Did he uh, uh, spend time with one another? Spend time with everybody that he went with. And lastly, did he touch? And we kind of, from a different experience, we know that, that he touched because when he was resurrected and Mary came to him, he said, touch me not. So from that experience, we can kind of detect that, well, touch must have been part of his ministry. Mm. because She was wanting to touch, wanting to give him a hug, wanting to do whatever it was to touch. But he had to ask her, touch me not, because I've not gotten my father. Wow. So all five love languages are part of the ministry of Jesus. So as we look into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, talks about a reconciliation to God. And if we can incorporate those things, then we're becoming closer or more reconciled, just like a bank statement. You want to get to zero. You want to get to that. There are no more differences between you and God. And this will help. This really helps. That's so good. So I'm just curious what did you learn about yourself during this process? You know, you go, you have this revelation or this realization when you are introducing your new friend to your family and they're like, listen, everybody in this family is angry and you didn't realize it or you had buried it and didn't want to, didn't want to realize it. And you're like, oh shoot. Um, what did you kind of learn about yourself during this journey? Cause you go from bad beginning trying to make it work, trying to figure it out, probably pushing through the way that all all of us, all of us do. You realize you need to take responsibility. You're clearly moving on with your life because you're getting in relationships. Like, what did you learn um, during this entire process about yourself? Really learned that uh, necessity is kind of mother of invention. Mm -hmm. I needed to shed that um, previous life of abuse. Uh, Part of abuse, I think, is... uh, uh, and a big part of it is criticism. Okay. That if someone is criticizing you, it's going to make you angry or it's going to upset you. It's going to not do those things that are warm and fuzzy. It's mm-hmm. not going to help you feel inside that you're a good person. And so what I found out 
about myself is that I was really overly critical of of anybody. And and if uh, the shift for me was that to move from being critical to being uh, and critical and saying what's wrong with that person? Why are they doing that? What they're making so many mistakes to what's right with that person? What can I love about that person? And develop that mindset that always looks to what's right with that person. So I, I love the magnifying glass of just the whole effect of a magnifying glass, that what you focus on and with that magnifying glass is going to get enlarged. Correct. So I realized uh, that focusing on negative things would enlarge them. If you want your kids to grow up negative, focus on the negative that they do. They're all all kids make mistakes. All people make mistakes. Everybody has good. Everybody has some bad about them, some things that they're not so good at. Uh, if you focus on those things, that's gonna they're gonna be enlarged. Yeah. Focus, focus on the better things, then they're gonna become better. They're gonna, it's gonna be like watering the plant. Wow. It's gonna grow. Wow. Paul, I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to start to talk about how people can begin to put some of these principles together in their own life. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the free guide When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to reveal God's plan to ditch disruption or delay and get his blessings faster. Head to GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right, all right. So I want to go a little bit of a different direction and let's start to talk about how people can identify if they're not focusing on the right things, if they're focusing on the things that are just going to further expand and, and enlarge what's not working in their life and kind of what they can, how they can put some of these principles together that you have created in your methodology. So I'm curious in your experience, Paul, what do you notice? Because you are the perfect testament to how to appropriately respond to a, to a disruption. I believe that Anything that happens in our life that is negative can actually be a tool if we respond to it appropriately, and it can actually create a better life for us. And so what have you noticed are some of the most common barriers that prevent people from actually being able to create better from these these disruptions? I think that implementing um, just positive actions into your life is really something that's going to help you overcome any any of those barriers, and it the the kind of the uh, theory of replacement really worked for me. The uh, if you if you're trying to change a habit, a bad habit, especially if, you know I grew up being critical. I was trained to being critical. I was trained being more a verbal type abuser, and to get away from that, you've got to find something that will replace it. So I mentioned that I that I read the the five languages of love. I read it four or five times and still trying to understand the the whole concept. I love the principles, the like I said the application just didn't work for me 
even taking the survey, after you take the survey for yourself, find out what your love language is, what do you do with that? Yeah. Hello, I'm gifts. What do you have for me today? It really is more awkward than anything else. It just didn't work for me. Right. And so what I found is I I liked the concept. So I contacted Dr. Gary Chapman about about possibly licensing the icons that he had for each one of the love languages. His company said no. The attorney sent me a a nice email back, said that they're not doing that at this time. I said, okay. I contacted a, a intellectual property attorney here locally where I live, and he said that uh, theory is not copyrightable. So the love language theory is not copyrightable. Correct. App- application is. And so what I wanted to do is make it a game. As a child, I loved games. Even reading four, four or five times the five love language book, I did. I could not spit out five love languages. I couldn't tell you all, all five of them without trying to re-reference and go back to the book and just and, and cheat, find out what they were. They weren't part of my life, in other right. words. So to get them to be part of my life, I created a game. So I made my own icons. I put them on a die, and then there's just two instructions. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice all day that day. That's And that habit, just that simple takes two seconds to roll the die. But that simple habit really provided that that big God shift for me, changing my whole attitude from how can I love that person uh, or changing from what's wrong with that person to how can I love that person. Yeah. Once I got the habit going for 30 days or more, I I was focused on what's what's good about that person. I'm watching for opportunities to serve. I'm watching for opportunities to give gifts. I'm op- watching for opportunities to spend time. I'm watching for opportunities to say something nice about somebody all day long. Yeah. I was so I Shana, I was so busy once I created this. I was so busy watching for that. I forgot about that other stuff. And I wasn't doing that other stuff. I I had to replace the habit, disrupt that habit of being critical to being what can I what can I do for that person? How can I love? And to me, I found that found love very directional. This was really key. I found that I can only I only have control over love that I give away. Yes, and how I react when it comes my way. I really can't bid love to come to me. I say. You know, it, it almost is an unintentional pity party that Dr. Chapman created. He said, well, I told you how to love me. You're not doing it. And it's just a horrible thing that you could have a pity party that way. So, well, I told them how I like to be loved, and they're not doing it. Or they're not doing it sufficiently. Or they think they're doing it, and they're, it's not having the effect. So that's really unintentional, I'm sure. This is a what, what's the answer to that? Because there are probably a lot of people that are listening to this right now that are familiar with Dr. Chapman's work of the five yeah. love, love languages. And essentially, if you're not, there are these five ways that people like to be loved. The key to it is that you have to love people according to their love language and not according to yours. So if Paul and I are married and quality time is my love language, but gifts is his, I can't spend a lot of time with him and expect him to feel loved. 
I have to give him gifts or he's not going to feel love. That's kind of the premise behind the, the Dr. Chapman's methodology, if you've never heard it. So for those of us that that have, and those of us that are thinking, okay, if this is the way that people like to be loved, and I'm loving them the way that they say they want to be loved, or they're not loving me the way that I, I need to be loved, like, What's the answer to that, especially with what it is that, that you've created? How how do you respond to that? Because it sounds like something that was supposed to create a solution. It sounds like you're saying for you, especially, it just created more problems. Mm-hmm. So where's where's the because it's not that Dr. Chapman's stuff is not good and valid and, you know, it's been around forever. And I know your stuff is good as well. So how, where's the bridge between the two things to kind of make this whole love thing work properly? So the bridge to me, Shana, again, we're back to reconciliation, that Jesus loved everyone, everyone. There, It was not just significant others, as Dr. Chapman would suggest. It's everyone. So when you're rolling the die and you've got this love language that you're going to practice and watch for opportunities all day long, it's to everyone. everyone. Yeah. And so what you're watching for is that observation, though, of when they light up that's the love language they like. You just make a mental note. Oh, they like that. I, I'm going to remember that, and I can repeat that uh, from often. You're watching, t- your your whole uh, purpose should be to light everybody up, light the world on fire. Be, yeah. a, be a, instead of a fire starter, be a love starter. Can you teach people how to love? I think because I think this is this is great introspection of how we love better. But if there are people that are in close community with us, are we able to teach them how to love better? And if so, how do we do that? That's that's a big challenge. It really is. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that this if people really want to improve their love life, this is a great tool and it's just a tool, but it's just a great tool. It helps you focus on how can I love that person? What's good about that person? You know, we've got uh, the media. We've got everybody uh, good. Uh, you know, love doesn't sell. Good news doesn't sell. Correct. As, as You're well. hard pressed to find any good news. Exactly. It's so. And that's the reason is because it doesn't sell. This is a whole the media is a whole business and it's focused on the negative of, of the world. And yeah. it's and it's highlighted and it's magnified and it grows, and we've got to change that tide. We absolutely have we def- to change that tide. We definitely do, Paul. We're coming to the end of our time. Do you have any final words that you would like to give to the audience before we wrap up? Absolutely. I just uh, want them to to believe in themselves, believe that God has a purpose for them, that they really can make a shift if they want to. And if yeah. they want to, there's some tools out there that will help them. They can. Uh, they they can be better. They can do better. I they can if once they embrace and feel responsible for their own life, like I did, like that God shift for me. I think that it's going to be something that they that uh, it's it's going to bless their life and bless the lives of everyone within their reach. That's the whole whole thing. We only can have, you know, we only can touch people within our reach. Yeah. I totally agree. So, Paul, how can they follow you on social media? Well, the book that I wrote is actually called Role of Love, R-O-L-E. R-O-L-E is something inside you. It's going to change you inside. So the role of love is the name of the book. And then they can find that at roleoflove.com. 
Perfect. They can find the dice there. They can find uh, also a link that will take take them to the Amazon link for the book, um, or they can go to Amazon directly and look under Paul Zolman. Okay, perfect. Will come right up. I'm going to make sure that the links to all of that is in the show notes. So all they have to do is click it and they can find it very easily because we've talked about dice and I don't want them to think that roll is spelled R-O-L-L. So the links will be there so that you don't have to worry about them getting confused. Paul, thank you so much for sharing this. It is a very timely message. We all can learn to love a little bit better. And if we all just try to focus on getting 1% better at loving every day, just imagine the good things that can happen in this world. So thank you again for being here, everyone. Please, please share this episode. If you've never shared another episode in all of your 103 episodes at this point of listening to a Godship, you need to share this one because if the world needs anything right now, it is definitely love. So I pray that you have been blessed by this episode and that you will go back and listen to previous and future episodes as well. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shana. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.